0: Good morning what an honor and a privilege it is to to share the word with you this morning as we jump into our new sermon series filled in full and before we do that um i don't want to pass up this moment to to give you a little bit of what i said to the tapestry group last last week before we dive in the truth is you know we're not gonna we're not gonna try to sugarcoat anything we're we're going through something that just It doesn't feel good, we're sad and we're distraught and there's a lot of different emotions and there's a lot of different feelings going on around what's going on, but the one thing that I want to remind you, and I know that you know this, but sometimes it just needs, our hearts need a little bit reminding that God is good and that God is in control and that God loves you, He loves this church, and He's got this. And last week at our tapestry group, the tapestry group has been going through the book of Matthew and I shared with them that my favorite story was from Matthew 14 when Jesus walked on the water. And one of the reasons why I love it so much because it addresses our humanity, but it also addresses his deity, his godliness. So Jesus being fully God, sent his disciples ahead of them, ahead of him to go out onto the water. Being fully God, he knew that by sending them ahead that a storm was coming, that they would be afraid, that they would question God's goodness as they were freaking out on the water. God knew all of this, but he allowed them to go out. And as they were in the craziest storm that they have probably ever witnessed in their life, Jesus approaches them, not just in any casual way, you know, just walking on water. And, and he, he approaches them, and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is not addressing the situation, it's not saying, hey, the storm will pass, don't worry, it's just a couple of rain clouds. It's not, hey, this will be quick, don't worry. It wasn't, hey, you know, this happens for a reason. No, the first thing that came out of our Lord Jesus' mouth in the moment where his disciples were afraid was take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then he goes on and he, he does a wonderful, wonderful miracle. So church, I just want to remind us of that truth. Jesus is alive, and he is real, and he's telling the church today, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So this is a perfect way to jump into our new series, which is called Filled and Full. And we're gonna be looking through the book of Hebrews all together, and I'm gonna be kicking it off today, and then David is gonna be taking a bulk of the preaching throughout the summer, and Charlene and I are gonna be jumping in there to give our voices as well. But each Sunday, well, our idea together is basically to take a snapshot each Sunday and kinda make a photo album together, if you will, by the end of the summer. So, with that spirit, everybody say Jesus. One, two, three. <laughs> so, our first snapshot is called Filled and Full. And we're gonna, kind of like a good mystery book. Anybody like to read good mystery books? Sometimes you jump to the very end to kind of get a taste of what's coming because you don't want to be like too blindsided, right? So that's what we're going to kind of do today as we start with the book of Hebrews. But we're not going to start in chapter 1. We're actually going to start in chapter 13. And then we're going to work our way back from there. So with that in mind, let's read Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. It'll be on the screen. Please follow along. This is the message translation. May God who puts all things together, makes all things whole, who made a lasting mark through the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifice of blood that sealed the eternal covenant, who led Jesus, our great shepherd, up and alive from the dead, now put you together. Provide you with everything you need to please him. Make us into what gives him most pleasure by means of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Messiah all glory to Jesus forever and always. This is my favorite part. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh yes, yes, yes. Amen. Yes and amen. Let it be done, let it be so according to the Lord. So this is gonna be our new benediction for the summer and as I was reading it, one of the the reasons why I chose it, because I just really wanna hear the whole church say, oh yes, yes, yes. (laughs) as we gather together and say, let it be so, God. May you be the one that is guiding us in your perfect peace. May you be the one who is putting us perfectly together according to your will. May you be our great shepherd, guiding us to those green pastures, guiding us to the living waters, and guiding us through even the valley of the shadow of death, guiding us to the table where there is abundance. May the Lord, who puts all things together, be the great shepherd of this church and the global church around the world for his glory and his splendor, now and forever. Yes, 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 amen. So, the book of Hebrews was written in the early church and it was written by an unknown author, but the purpose of the book was a call to perseverance. The early church was undergoing heavy, heavy, heavy persecution. And if you know a little bit about what persecution looked like in the first century, it wasn't pretty. You know, I'm not saying that persecution today isn't, you know, nice. It doesn't feel good to be persecuted for our beliefs, but it's a little different. You know, today we get a little bit hurt when, when social media kind of says, I don't like your idea. Or if, if things are kind of just... Today, it's all about social media wars and getting canceled and and doing all of these things. And it hurts our ego, but in reality, we can just kind of turn off the screen, give it to Jesus, and move on with our lives. Back then, it was a little bit more intense than that. See, Christians were a threat to a bunch of people, which is why they wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth. They were a threat to the Jewish community because everything that they were learning went so against the Torah and, and what they thought their revelation of that was. All of a sudden, you have generations and generations and generations of Jewish people learning that it matters about what you wear, and it matters about how you eat and what you eat, and it matters about all of these rules and regulations that were added on after God gave the initial law. And then Jesus comes around and he's saying, actually, it doesn't matter if if your threads don't match, because what matters is what's in your heart. And it doesn't matter what you put in your mouth because what goes in, it's not what's unclean. It's what comes out. It's what's going on in your heart. So the Jewish community was like, this guy's crazy. We got to get rid of him. And we have to stop this move. And we got to get rid of all of these followers. And then they were also a threat to Rome because the Romans wanted to expand their empire and they wanted to grow in their influence. So they, they saw that this group of people who called themselves believers of the way were all of a sudden growing in number and they were like oh my goodness if these people grow too much we're gonna get overthrown and bye-bye Rome we can't let that happen so the Romans persecuted them and the Jewish community was in alignment and agreement with that to get them off The face of the earth. Now, like I said, today we have some social media wars going on and, you know, we get a little offended when people don't agree with our view. But back then, they were thrown into the Roman Colosseum to get eaten by lions. So they're going under persecution in the early church. And with all of this going on, Christians were sitting around the table having discussions with their family. So... Should we keep following Jesus because things are getting kind of scary? They seriously started to weigh the pros and cons. You know, do, do, we, do we go to the Roman Colosseum and get mauled by lions? Or do we kind of just live our own lives? Colosseum, live my life. Colosseum, live my life. And many people were abandoning the faith because it was just too hard, and the cost was too great, and the sacrifice was too much, and they were abandoning their faith. So the author of Hebrews rises up to encourage the church and to say, guys, I know that this is hard. I know that you're seeing loved ones die left and right. I know that it is hard to pray and meet together. I know that this hurts. I know that the loss is great, but do not give up. The book of Hebrews is a calling to perseverance. The word perseverance in the Greek, which is what Hebrews was written in, it's the word per per, and then severus. Per means very and severus means strict. So it is this very strict calling to continue to steadfast move on and press on and press through very strictly without going back, without without going backwards, moving forward. So the author of Hebrews is saying, let's move on. Let's press on together as we follow the calling of Christ. So every week we're gonna be taking our snapshot And we're going to be seeing how Jesus Christ is fulfilled from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 13. And you're going to see how it interweaves throughout the whole of Scripture. Jesus isn't just revealed in the New Testament church. He is all the way there revealed right in Genesis. And it all is connected. It all ties together. So... The author is saying, church, persevere, you cannot give up. Jesus died on the cross and his sacrifice was more than enough so that you can persevere. And I am here to tell us, starting with me, God is reminding me that we need to persevere here and now. We're not under the threat of jail for coming to church this morning. But let's not forget that many people are in other parts of the world. And as I started to think about this week as I was putting it together, I started like realizing, whoa, how has my relationship with God been affected by my comfort? There's this book out that's called Comfortable Christianity, and it talks about the Western church and how truly church has evolved into becoming kind of like a commodity more than a necessity and i was super challenged with that is church a commodity for us or is it a necessity i have to go. And it's not, about the, it's not about the walls. It's about the community and what we do when we're a community. When we sing together, we are making waves in the spiritual atmosphere. We are joining with all of the angels in the celestial realms that are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When we come together, it's not a cool little Christian club with like-minded people. And even though if you start talking to people, you realize that there's a lot of different opinions too coming together. It is really nice, but it is a necessity. We need each other. And I started thinking about this week. When Jesus called his disciples to pick up their cross and follow him, you know, we're like, yeah, amen, pick up your cross and follow. Yeah, did you know that that's actually really hard? (laughs) It's not a glamorous lifestyle, and it dawned on me this week as I was putting this together. Jesus, as he picked up his own cross to go to Calvary, he was so beaten and bruised down, he couldn't even do it by himself. Someone needed to help him to carry it. And our call to pick up our cross and follow Jesus, it is a call, yet yeah, to surrender all and to abandon all and to follow him, but it is also a call for us to do that together. Because there's going to be some moments where I just, where I just can't and I'm going to need you to help me. Because I don't have it all together and I need you. And there are moments where my perseverance is running really, really thin and I'm going to need you to pray for me and I'm going to pray for you. That is church. That is church. So the author of the book of Hebrews was seeing these believers abandon their faith and, and, and it was it was kind of like a slow digression. Some people were just straight up leaving, and other people were kind of like, well, maybe I just won't go to the first meeting. Maybe I'll just skip on this one. And slowly and slowly, they started to fade out. And one of the greatest themes is not only perseverance through the book of Hebrews, but it's also this idea of surrender, to give it all away for Jesus. It's a really beautiful phrase, I surrender. And we see the songs on the screen and we say, I surrender. And when the song goes on in church, we sing it out loud. I surrender all. But what we really mean, if we're being honest, is I surrender some. I surrender only a little bit when it's beneficial. All to thee, only if you're working in my favor then I'll surrender, maybe. <laughs> because we've, gone, we've gotten into this relationship with Christ where it becomes transactional. If you give me what I want, then yeah, I'll follow. It's worth it. But if things don't go my way, then I start questioning, are you actually really good up there? And this is exactly what was happening through the book Hebrews. And as we'll see through the book of Hebrews, the author didn't deny, he wasn't in denial that things were going bad. He, he addresses the situations. He says, I know that people are dying. I know that people are gruesomely losing their lives. I see this. But because of Jesus, we have this blessed assurance and this crazy hope that to live is Christ and to die is It's not the end. To die is not defeat. To die is not a a, a cross out of victory. To die, it's not a strike out. To die is gain. What would happen, church, if we lived with this urgency and passion and hope and dependence that we can wake up every day to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me breath in these lungs today. I'm gonna live for you. For me to live as Christ. And then, Father, if I die today, I mean, I don't want to die yet, but hey, I'll get to see you. We're afraid of death because we're afraid of of being unfulfilled and for our dreams to be unrealized and, and for things to be unfinished. But the truth is, if we have Jesus, we have everything we need. To live is Christ, and to die, gain. So the author addresses this to the early church and he's like, I get it. It's really hard. It is hard to believe and to trust and to follow when things seem so messed up. I mean, yeah. So I started to make a list of my own, of things that I've seen in my life, or experienced or seen in others, that has made it hard for me to trust God sometimes. And I'm a very optimistic person, but I made this list so fast. Because <laughs> the truth is, we're really fast when it comes to complaining and when it comes to pointing out the negatives. So if you have more to add to the list, I invite you to do that, but then we're just gonna leave it to God. Here's my list. These are the things that I've seen that, that have pulled me apart or have made me wanna question God's goodness. Disillusionment, divorce, separation, division, addictions, deaths, loss, grief, depression, anxiety, miscarriages, arguments, lies, betrayals, brokenness, racism, corruption, judgment, sin. It's a pretty good list. And these are all things that at some point in my life, whether I've seen it in other people or I've gone through it myself, have made me question the goodness of God. And I'm sure, Maybe something you heard on this list was a moment for you where you were like, oh, yeah. And the author in Hebrews says, I get it. This is happening, and guess what? Because of the broken world that we live in, it's not fair, and it's not good, and it's not cool, but it's gonna keep on happening because things are only going to be made right and perfect when Jesus comes again. But because of Jesus... Because of what he already did, and because of the work that was accomplished on the cross, I can trust him. And I can follow him. And I, who am tired and weary of this journey, anybody else have felt or is feeling tired and weary of the journey? This is a call to say, hey, are you tired? Yes. Are you weary? Yes. Are you just done? Oh, yeah. Then come to me, says Jesus. Come to me. So the message of this this sermon series is called Filled in Full because each week we're going to see how our lives can be filled in full, a little bit more of the character and of who Jesus is because Jesus was already filled in full throughout the whole of Scripture and as the more we draw close to Him, and the more we come into communion and community with Him, then the more our lives are going to start aligning with His and start reflecting Him, all for His glory and for His splendor. I've been asking myself this question for the last five years, personally, and I have it written on a post-it note near my bed. What would it look like if you lived like Jesus was really alive? Sometimes I just get really used to what I do. I wake up, do the grind, see my people, go back to bed, boom, mission accomplished. And then I felt the Holy Spirit confronting me, saying, okay, it's really great, you're doing your job, fantastic, what would your faith really look like if you actually believed that I was alive? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I think you're alive. Like, you died and rose from the grave. Like, it's, it's, it's yeah. And then he's like, well, you're kind of living a really boring life. I was like, excuse me? Because <laughs> I started getting comfortable. And because I just fit, church into my schedule and into what I you know was convenient for my time and if it fit whatever and Jesus was like what if we actually lived like I was alive like if you woke up every morning to say for me to live is Christ like to live every day when the kids said YOLO back in the day is it still a thing I don't think it's still a thing but when the kids would say YOLO you only live once they were up to something Now the theory behind it was, you know, let's party, let's live it up because you only live once, woo! So not that part. But the truth is, we do only have one life on this side of eternity. And it's a calling to live it for Him. To surrender all and give it to Him. And to live a Christian life, it's not boring. It's boring if you make it boring. But living a life with Christ, oh man, it's one of the most exciting journeys I have ever been on in my entire life because I am learning something new about him every single day. And in areas where I am weak, he just shows me that he's holding me. And in areas where I don't understand, he meets me. Jesus is my best friend. And he is calling us into that kind of relationship with him. And in this relationship that I have with him, and again, and I feel like Paul, not that I have it all together, because please, I am the last one, but I've learned that trusting Jesus is kind of like putting puzzle pieces together. It's a step-by-step process that many, many times, I don't even know what the next puzzle piece is, but at the right time and then the right moment and in the right way, he just puts it together. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then I'm like, can I see the next step? And he's like, no, not yet. And that's where we fight. <laughs> we don't get to see the whole picture sometimes. But we are called to trust. So I was just in Minnesota with my dad for this eco um, course on evangelism and outreach um, in transitional pastors and churches. And I, the instructor there was one of my seminary professors and I adore him. And he shared something about his life that I had no idea. And it talks about how, you know, when we're in Christ, things come full circle. And it might not be when we expect it or when we want it, but if we persevere, we're gonna see the goodness of God. So, right now, they're in their late 70s and um, when they first got married, they were both ordained pastors, and they lived, they bought a house in their hometown, and they were pastoring there, and they had this desire to have a family, so they were able to have one biological child, and they really wanted to grow their family, and they just tried and tried, and it just, it wasn't happening, so they went through IVF, and finally two embryos were there. So they put the embryos in mommy, and they took. So she was so, so happy, and she drove to this, to this hill in her her hometown. She parked the car, she climbed up the hill, and right at that moment it wasn't developed or anything, it was just a field, and she stood up at the top of that field and she said, God, I really wanna pray your will be done, but I'm just gonna take this first part of the prayer to say please let my will be done. I really want these babies. I really, really want these babies. You know the desire of my heart. You know the desire of my husband's heart. We want to grow a family. We want to give these kids to you. We want to raise them to love you and to honor you and to be with you. God, please give us these babies. But if you don't, then give me 100 spiritual children. And she left. She went back home, and the pregnancy took and then about six weeks later she lost them and she was so devastated she stopped going to church for a while and she was just really really struggling with her faith and she didn't understand she had no idea why God would do something like this and a lot of time passed um, for her and her husband to find healing and to find restoration and to you know kind of just keep trusting the Lord but they did and it was a journey and they pastored throughout different uh, states throughout the years, and right now they're in their late 70s, trusting the Lord, serving the Lord. And in 2021, um, the time came for them to really think about where they wanted to retire. And after praying, they were like, "You know what? Let's let's move back to our hometown where we started." So they started looking at houses on the market, and they found one that they really really liked. And they were like, you know what, how about you go, you know, go on the plane and and go check out the house. So she did, and she flew, and she got there, she rented a car, the house was on a hill. So she parked the car at the bottom of the hill, and she started to make her way up the hill, when all of a sudden she felt the wind get knocked out of her, because that little hike seemed a little too familiar. When she got to the top and looked at the house that she was about to buy, It was built on the very place where she stood and prayed her prayer to God. And in that moment, she was overcome with so many different emotions. She had forgotten about that prayer. I mean, it was over 40 years ago. And she stood in that spot looking at this house and remembering the prayer that she prayed. And all she could feel God say was, haven't I been faithful? Faithful. And she just looked at the house and she started to cry and, and she was like, oh my gosh, I didn't get my prayer. I didn't get my two children. I didn't get them and I don't know why and I don't understand, but you have been so faithful. You didn't leave me. When I ran, you chased me. And you didn't give me a hundred spiritual children, you gave me hundreds. Because between her and her husband, they have been able to invest in the lives of hundreds of people. So church, our prayers may not always go as answered, but don't stop praying, and don't stop believing, and don't stop persevering because if we want to be able to say like David, I have tasted and seen the goodness of God, then we need to stick with it. We need to hold on. We need to hold on because it is worth it to follow the Lord. And as, my, as our instructor in Minnesota f- wrapped that up, I was just sobbing Because once again, it's a reminder to my heart that even if I don't see it, even if it looks messed up in the moment, even if it doesn't make sense, even if things don't piece together the way that I wanted or the way that I hoped or expected, he's still in the picture and he's good. And we're gonna see his goodness, I'm gonna see his goodness and his faithfulness because he is God. And that is what the end of chapter 13 of the book of Hebrews is all about. And this is our new benediction for the summer. And I want to encourage us to not just read words off of a screen, but to believe every single word that is coming out of our mouths. He is the God of peace. God, Theos, overall, supreme, above it all, creator and sustainer. Apart from him, we have nothing. He is the theos of peace, the God of peace. And this Greek word for peace, irene, comes from the root, which means peace, harmony, and free from worry. This is the God that we're following. We're following him as the great shepherd. And he's saying, yeah, this is really crazy, but hey, you can follow me because I know it's going to be okay. He is our non-anxious presence in the middle of it all. He is the God of peace who what? Puts all things together. Who puts all things together and makes all things whole. In this moment where she thought that God had abandoned her because she had lost her kids, she probably felt like the puzzle was falling apart. I've been there where I have felt like God has completely left me alone and like everything's just falling. What I've come to learn is things aren't falling apart, they're just falling into place. And it's chaotic for me because it's not the way that I had arranged them, so it's confusing. But then, when I step back and let the Lord do what he has to do, oh, it doesn't make it easy, but it makes it worth it. So he is the God of peace who puts all things together because of himself, because the sacrifice that was done on the cross. He is the sacrifice. He is the way. He is, he's not a way, a truth, and a life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And his promises have no expiration date. She saw the fulfillment of God's word after looking back on the course of 40 plus years. And Jesus is our great shepherd, the one who guides and leads and restores and is going to bring us to quiet waters and is going to lead us to green pastures and also the one who is going to walk us through the valley of the shadow of death to the table where there is abundance. He is our shepherd, the shepherd who knows our voice and who is calling us to know his and to follow him. The shepherd who had all the power and authority given to him for being the lamb that was slain. And because of this, we have everything that we need so we can live lives for him. All for his glory, forever and ever. Yes, yes, yes. So that's our snapshot today, friends. Filled and full I can be filled and full because of Jesus. He is God, my peace. He is God who makes all things whole. He is my great shepherd. He meets all my needs. He is everything I need now and forever. And then we're gonna practice the benediction so we're ready for it later. Here it is, let's say it together. May Jesus, our great shepherd, now put us together, provide us with everything we need to please him, make us into what gives him most pleasure, by means of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Messiah. All glory to Jesus forever and always. Oh yes, yes, yes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you are good. We thank you because you are faithful. We thank you because you are constant. And we pray that you help us on this calling to persevere and on this calling to follow you, especially when it's hard. So we trust that you are the great shepherd. We trust that you are putting us together in the way that you see fit, in the way according to your will. And we just pray that you help us to surrender all. Forgive us for surrendering some and teach us day by day to surrender just a little bit more so that we can be filled and full of you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.